0: God, we are so grateful as a church body for this man and for his leadership, God, and who he is before you. God, we bless him this morning. God, we pull on the anointing that's in him, the word that's in him, God, and we just ask that you would come and feed us and call us higher and and just quicken us in your word and in your spirit. And in Jesus' name, give Byron anointing to preach, Lord. We ask for anointing that breaks yokes, anointing that transcends culture, anointing that breaks open bread. We ask for fresh bread. Red.
1: Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Whoa. It's kind of hard to live up to all that, right? We're wanting an anointing, Lord, not a annoying, right? So thank you, Lord. Wow, man, thank you for all these powerful worship leaders and prayers. That was good, wasn't it? Yes. Yes and amen. So uh, before I give you the message I feel like the Lord's given me, uh, I wanted to Tell you something you know that was a great message that Jim Hill gave last yeah. last Sunday, so if you were able to get that message, uh, it's online to listen to it. However, there was one part of it that he did not convince me on, and that was the part about the bathroom. <laughs> y'all remember that how people go to bathrooms and they don't touch nothing well, I'm going to be honest with you, I am a guy who when I go into a men's bathroom in the public, I don't touch zero. I, prop, when I wash my hands, I, I, I open the thing, I wash it with thing, I take my paper towel and turn the faucet off. I flush the thing, uh, and then I go out the door. I use the paper towel and hold the door open and do all of that. And when I bring my grandsons into those places, I do exactly the same thing. So if you happen to be one of those people, I'm with you. Amen. The rest of the message, it was good. <laughs> but I, he did not convince me to stop doing that. And then Jim's in Argentina. God bless him. (laughs) He'll be back. Thank you, Lord. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. That was so good. Wow. Thank you for all that. And, you know, like Maya said, vote. Keep those people, the martyrs, the, the people who are suffering or possible martyrs. In your prayers, and also show up on the seventeenth down in Charlotte. That's going to be great. A lot of you came went last time when we when we did it with some other Morrisville churches. Well, this is all the churches. So, in fact, they had to get a parade permit to do this one because of so many people. So it'll be a lot of fun to just go do that with all those other believers from all different you know churches. So, um, anyways, Lord help. Thirty three minutes. Come on. So here's I'm, I have. Ooh, I, I'm, I'm really wishing I wouldn't have started this, but I'm going to, okay? Because this is a big deal, what I want to talk to you about this morning. And I, I'm just going to preface it with saying this. I'm just going to throw a few things out there. This, uh, what I want to talk about is so much greater and bigger than than I can give it a, a you know, in 33 minutes. <laughs> okay? I'm going to try to talk to something that's incredibly eternal in 33 minutes. But... It's a, um, it's about God's covenant with mankind, and um, so that's been a, a thing in my life for a few years, um, but I never really felt I could ever uh, talk about it, uh, mainly because I felt it was all in my head. You know what I'm saying? It felt like my understanding of it, because I studied it. I've studied it for a long time, just trying to to really. And I understand, you know, I, you can anybody can understand stuff if you study things, right? You know, uh, but it's a difference when when you feel like the Holy Spirit starts speaking to your heart, okay? And that's that's the thing. That's the thing I'm looking for. I'm not looking to understand anything. I'm I'm looking to have spiritual understanding from the Lord and. And so, you know, this year God has has really talked to me. And a lot of it was about His covenant uh, nature and who He was as a covenant God. Although He didn't let me in on that's what He was really revealing to me until, you know, the last two or three months is when I began to see it. But, you know, um, I can ask this question. How many people struggle in their relationship with the Lord? I mean, probably most of us would raise our hand. I mean, I talked about it the last time I spoke. I talked about your relationship, having, having how to know God and, and the struggles of knowing God and walking with God and, uh, you know, and I think we all do if we we really be honest. It's it's just hard to know somebody that's invisible right? It's hard to know somebody who doesn't speak audibly 99.99% of the time. It's just, you know, and, and it gives you a, a book, you know, that you can't really understand with your brain. You know, and if you think you understand with your brain, you've not understood it. I mean, everything he does is, is contrary to what we would normally think. You know, his ways are not our ways. It's, so, it's, it can be really difficult and challenging, but, you know... So that's another thing. Here's another another question, you know, so I've struggled with that. Another thing I've really struggled with for forever and a day was, you know, when Jesus said really clearly a few times about pray, praying in his name, right? Yes. Everything you ask in my name, I will do it, that the Father may be glorified. Have you ever struggled with that? Yes. Uh, who hasn't struggled? Who hasn't prayed a prayer that you could honestly say, this is, Prayer is in total alignment with God, God's will, the Word of God. You know, yet the answer is not forthcoming. Anybody else in this room wondering, like, what the heck is this praying in the name? It's not name of Jesus thing, and it doesn't work. You know, but Jesus said it does work. that's, per, that's been a perplexing thing in my life. I've wanted to know, I have really went after the Lord about that because I want my prayers answered, okay? And I get that God doesn't want to answer a prayer that's not his heart, you know? But when I pray for somebody who's dying of cancer or any other thing, I know in my heart it is God's absolute desire to heal them and raise them up. You know, I don't question that. But then when you watch them die a slow, miserable death, you, you question it. I don't question the integrity of the Lord. I don't question the integrity of the Scripture. But I do question why these things are not, you know, lining up. Are are y'all following me? So, um, you know, those are just a couple of things. But when we begin to, here's what I'm discovering. When we begin to understand God's, from a covenant perspective, those kind of things start, you can begin to understand all of it. Because what I've discovered about this is the entire Bible—it's the fabric of the Bible. God being a covenant God, the whole Bible—if you took the covenant nature of God or just covenant out of the Bible—it would be the Bible would literally be reduced to a few interesting stories, a few interesting stories, very few interesting stories. Because it's, it's, it's woven throughout the scripture who God, that God's a covenant God. And God operates on a covenant. And what I've discovered in my life is, is, you know, in my relationship with him, it all boiled down Because what the covenant of God does is it, it's, it's the structure, it's the framework, it's the ability for us, that's what he's created for us to know him and have a relationship with him. Outside of that covenant, there's no way any man could ever know God. And so when we begin to understand this about God and understand what God thinks about covenant, you know, then you can begin, your relationship with him begins to shift. Are y'all following this? Is, is anybody interested in this? Because y'all had an extra hour of sleep last night. Yeah. So, well, I didn't spend eight minutes talking about that. So let me read this one story out of the New Testament that, it's just so beautiful and so powerful, uh, and it just there's so many things in this story. It's just it's, it's unreal. It's, it's just like one of these glimpses out of Jesus's life that we could spend weeks on this these few verses here. Uh, Luke thirteen ten through seventeen. Now he was teaching in one of the sy- synagogues on the Sabbath, which you know he got less and less of that. Right, <laughs> the, the more Jesus showed up, the less they wanted him to show up. In the synagogues, most of his preaching was not in synagogue. It was out in the in the highways and byways with with people. But and and there was a reason for that. Is literally Jesus was not allowed to preach in a lot of synagogues after he became known and after they the powers that be. He was literally you know disfellowshipped because he was bringing such uh, terrible heresies about God. (laughs) Here's God showing up. You can't preach here, God. Sorry. And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bent over and could in no way raise herself up. That's the Luke trying to paint a picture of the, the pain of this situation. But when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to her, Woman, you are loose from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. Isn't that beautiful? Immediately it was a miracle. You want a, a therapeutic healing. I think many of you know in the Bible, lots of times when it talks about healing, there's a word, uh, the therapy word, that we get our word therapy from. So all healings are not immediate. Some are, are, are literally processed. And, and that's where we got that word therapy from. It's a, it's a process of healing. But here, which is a miracle, which is instantaneous. That's what a miracle, this is the difference between a, a therapy healing and a miracle healing. The miracle healing was, this was a miracle healing. And God did some miracle healings. Isn't that beautiful? Uh, but the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation. Okay, it was probably the last time he preached there, right? <laughs> he gets words for him Because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, and, and he said to the crowd, there are six days on which men ought to work. Therefore, come and be healed on them and not on the Sabbath. Isn't that just, just total insanity? I mean, think about it. Like, mad because somebody got healed, you know, because in their mind healing was a work. And it is a work. It's an amazing work of God, but, mm, there, you know, the Lord then answered him and said, hypocrite. <laughs> now we know he's not coming back and preaching here. <laughs> Calling the, the main leader a hypocrite. You're out, pal. <laughs> it's pretty strong. Does not, and you know what that literally means, hypocrite? Actors on the stage of life. Actors on the stage of life. That's basically, so Jesus, says you're a fake. You're just acting. You're not real. Does not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or donkey from the stall and lead it away to water it? So ought, ought not this woman being a daughter of Abraham? Everybody say daughter of Abraham. Abraham. Big important phrase there. Whom Satan has bound, think of it whom Satan has bound, and then he says, think of it for 18 years. Think about what you just said to me, sir. Think about it. She was bound for 18 years. Be loose from the bonds on the Sabbath. And when he said this, said these things, all his adversaries were put to shame, and all the multitude rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. Isn't that a beautiful, beautiful story? And it's only told in the Gospel of Luke, by the way, in there could be a lot of reasons for that. One, one is, of course, we know Luke was the beloved physician. So he had a mind towards those kinds of things. Those things probably caught his attention. Uh, the other one was, uh, if, the, if Luke just loved women. That man loved women because there's more stories about women and children in the Gospel of Luke than the other Gospels. Isn't that amazing? So when you begin to read the Gospel of Luke you'll see some stories pop up about women and children because he had such favor towards them. And I think one of the reasons was, you know, Luke's gospel is, a, is about the son of man. That's what it's, it is. It's about, you know, there's this is this about Christ being a man. And um, that's what it represents. And it, it sort of brings us into life, into sorrow, into pain uh, because that's what man, men experience. And I think he had a lot of empathy and a lot of compassion in his heart. And I feel like some of the things that Jesus did for people like women and children and for the sick and people who were displaced, Luke had a special feel for those because that's something that spoke to him. And therefore, that's one of the things he wanted to bring these things out. Isn't that beautiful? Are you all good? Um, Lord, give us that empathy for the unborn like we were talking about and be able to pray and do what we can do. So here's one thing. I'm just going to tell you two or three things here. Uh, First of all, um, this is a, a, a clear statement from the Bible that a believer, because she was called a daughter of Abraham, a clear statement from the Bible that believers... Christians, Christian people, although at this time we wouldn't, nobody has even her, ever heard the word Christian, can be bound by Satan. I mean, I'm sorry if you don't believe that, but this is a very clear picture of a woman that Jesus considered to be his, a daughter of Abraham, a very clear picture that a daughter of Abraham, a child of God, can have demonic influences in their life that literally binds them. So, I think that's an important thing that we need to keep in mind that, you know, even though d- the devil has been defeated at the cross, he still has a lot of influence on people, mainly through his lies. But once, and Christians can believe a lot of lies, okay? And when we believe his lies, then his, he gets a foothold and he gets a ground in our life and he can begin to work in our life. And he worked so hard in this woman's life that he, had, he got her into this bad place. That's important to know. Because there is a spirit of infirmity that operates on some people, okay? And lots of times it's not just that, they're, that they are got sick or, you know, or having, you know, got hurt. There's actually a spirit behind. I don't believe all is a specific spirit behind every sickness, but although I believe every sickness is from the devil, okay? It's from the, but I do believe sometimes people have spirits of infirmity that, that are working on them. And so we need a lot of discernment and praying and, and discern those spirits and be able to bind them and break their commission off in people's lives. Amen. 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 Another thing that it really doesn't bring this out in here, but I think it's something that we really need to, to think about, about people that are suffering. Like this woman suffered for 18 years with chronic problems, chronic disease, chronic pain. Is what that does to a person emotionally and what that does to a person's personality. Imagine suffering like that or any kind of person where your life is somewhat or a lot disabled, where you can't normal- function normally, you can't function normally in the home, you can't function normally with your family, you can't function normally in society because you're carrying this pain in them. And what you'll notice with a lot of people who suffer with chronic pain, they have a, they have a, a negative thing on them. Okay? I'm talking about a lot of good people that love the Lord can get this negative thing on them because they're hurting, and they see life through hurt, they see life through pain, and so what you know I had a friend of mine a couple of months ago I was with who's an amazing guy, a very powerful man, very powerful preacher, very powerful pastor, and everything he said to me was negative. I'm thinking, what the heck is wrong with you? But I didn't. I'm glad I didn't say that. Later in the conversation, somehow we, got on this, we were just talking. and Well, he was talking about a diet because he's a big man. And he said, Byron, I'm just in pain. I've been in pain for years. I just, I'm getting where I just can't take it anymore. I thought, oh, the pain has finally gotten to him. And it's turning this guy into a negative, kind of cynical man. And so I think sometimes we need to remember when, when we're dealing with people and we're interacting with people who carry pain in their life and, and, and be aware of that and be, be compassionate towards them, be, have empathy for them. You know, because you know, I was wanting to you know put the mojo on him. I was wanting to hammer him for being so negative, you know, when really he was suffering. He didn't need to be hammered. He needed to be loved. He needed to be cared for. He needed prayer. That's what he needed, somebody to do something for him, you know. And so I think that's, that's something that right away that Jesus was probably really demonstrating in here, that these people, they didn't give a rip. She got healed as, on another day, but on this day, they did care. They had no empathy. They had no compassion for this person that had suffered for 18 years, all bent over. Can you imagine all bent over the view of life you would have if you were bent over like that? And imagine that her family. I'm just trying to get you to see something here this morning. Another thing that's really powerful here that, that I think is amazing is about her identity, is, you know, it doesn't tell us her name. It just said, well, you know, Jesus called her woman. Uh, but he did tell us one thing about her, and that's this: she's a daughter of Abraham. Now, that was a very important identity that, that the Lord was pronouncing over her in that day. See, we don't really use that term, right? We don't hear that. We don't hear, oh, I'm a son of Abraham, I'm a daughter of Abraham. We don't really use that. It wasn't, he wasn't just saying that she was a good Jewish girl. Okay, in fact, Jesus eliminated certain he even eliminated certain people in the Jewish culture that they were not true sons and daughters of Abraham. He even told some that were going after him. They, they said in, in John 8, oh, we're, we're sons of Abraham. We've never, you know, we've never been enslaved to anything. And he says, no, you're not sons of Abraham. If you were sons of Abraham, you would do the works of Abraham. This is John 8, chapter 8. You'd do the works of Abraham. And what are the works of Abraham? Abraham believed God. That was the works that he believed. And he was saying, because you don't believe, you have, you have cut yourself off. Are you all following that? And so what he was saying here, when he called this woman a daughter of Abraham, he was saying, you're a believer. And he was declaring that she was a believer in front of everybody, that she, she belonged to God, she belonged to him. She was part of the family of God. Not just physically, but spiritually. And so today, we could say, as, as, as believers and followers of Christ, that it, we're sons and daughters of Abraham, if we wanted to use that phrase. It's, it's kind of an important phrase. You know, that it has a lot of meaning attached to it. When you start understanding God's covenant nature, you, you would understand this. So, one, I wanted to give you a couple verses on that uh, phrase. Uh, uh, Galatians 3.7. It says, Therefore, know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. Those who are of faith are only those. Some has been interjected in that. That's what Paul was, was teaching. The true sons of Abraham are people who are people of faith. Uh, And then in verse 29 of Galatians so you should read Galatians 3. It really explains a lot of this very, very clear. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs, real important, heirs according to the promise. That word heirs, very powerful. You're heirs. So this woman, you know, the Lord honored who she was. He honored her birthright. He honored that she had an inheritance. Because she was a daughter of Abraham, she captured his heart. She captured his ear because she was part of his family, and he had, he had empathy for his family. So he was drawn to her that day, because she had a right to be healed. It was part of her inheritance as a daughter of Abraham. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? Because, because Jesus understood covenant. He understood, because she's a daughter of Abraham, she should not be bound by Satan for 18 years. That is illegal, and he corrected it that day. So when we begin to see what I'm saying to you, when we begin to understand God's covenant nature, it shifts us into another place when it comes to praying for the sick. It shifts us into another place when it comes to to releasing the faith of God for people to be healed. Because suddenly we're, we're not operating on trying to get somebody healed because that's what we're supposed to do. We're doing it because it's a rightful thing that God has established because of the covenants that He's established with man. Amen? Now, if you went to... I got to hurry. If you went, and and I want to talk about this more sometimes, Lord willing. I had to think about it because y'all are just sort of looking at me frownfully. Just a frown, frownfully looking at me like, (laughs) this is the frowning church. (laughs) When you talk to them, they frown at you like, (laughs) it's rough, man. (laughs) Y'all are, I'm going to tell you something. Y'all are great. This is amazing. And I love being able to speak here, but y'all are a tough audience. I'll be honest with you. It's like, you know, you're going to have to do something here to get these people. Anyways, in Genesis 15, this is amazing. I just, I love Genesis 15. God cut a covenant with Abraham. And God made this covenant with Abraham. And God basically told Abraham that gave him all these promises, promises of land, promises of blessings. And God said to Abraham, basically said to Abraham, and you don't have to do anything to get it, you or your descendants. And in other words, it was a covenant that God made and he says you don't have to do anything. The only thing that was needed to be done is just believe. And what does the Bible say? Well, I think it's Romans at 4:13, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. When Abraham believed what God was saying to him that day, I'm going to do all these things for you, Abraham, and you, all the nations of the world, be blessed. You will have descendants like stars of the the sky. And at that time, he was still Abram and didn't have those descendants. He was an old man. They'll be like this, and he just believed God. And God said, good, the the covenant is sealed. And God, there was a ceremony that's amazing, but we don't have time to go through that ceremony. I would love to. It's so full of symbolic things about what happens in the new covenant and so what we find in the bible if you study covenants that the new covenant finds its roots and finds its identity in what god did in genesis 15 if you want to understand the roots of our new covenant with jesus christ that we have this covenant with him he made a covenant think about this Oh uh, when you study covenant it's crazy even studying it outside the bible what covenants mean but there's always a need for blood to be shed in a covenant there's always a need every covenant has to there has to be blood shed and and god did it with abraham that their blood was shed but here's the cool thing this is I'll just throw this out at you this is an amazing thought god And Christ came both as a man and as God. Okay? We know that. This is profound. When he was beaten and torn apart by that whip, when his body was what was happening, God was cutting a covenant with us, with man between man and God. And the cool thing about it, the beautiful thing about it, we didn't have to bleed. Because Jesus came both as a man and God. And God bled that day and Jesus bled that day. It was God's blood that was spilled and Jesus' blood that was spilled that sealed this covenant. Are you all hearing this? This is what the whole Bible, if you really look at it, the whole Bible points to that one thing. That God did everything. You don't have to do anything. All you got to do is believe it. All you got to do is accept it. And you will step into this covenant with God. Isn't that amazing when you think about it like that? You'll think more amazing. How many guys in here? I don't know. I was getting worried recently. You know, I did this blood covenant with a guy one time. Any other guys that ever did that? You cut your arm and he cuts his arm and you smear them together. Uh, that's what God, blood you mingle the blood and you have this scar. Well, I did this with this guy one time, and I was and I've been studying those. i was like, oh God, because blood you know covenants can only be broken by death. Oh God, I've made this covenant with this guy. I don't even know where he's at now. He's a terrible person, I bet. And I got this covenant with him. <laughs> I started thinking that, and then I thought, oh no. When Christ died, I died. So all those covenants. All those vows, all those things that I did foolishly have been broken. I have a covenant with God now. Isn't that beautiful? Well, I was worried for a minute. Because I wasn't thinking spiritual. I was thinking carnal. Like, oh, that guy, I know he didn't turn out good. He couldn't have. He couldn't have turned out good. Because he thought I was great back then and I was bad. <laughs> oh, Lord help. Anyways. That's why... I said a few weeks ago, when you really want to get down to it, is in your relationship with the Lord, stop trying to get close to God. Stop trying. Because the covenant has put you close to God. There's no trying to get close to God. The covenant has, has made us close to God. And so when we start seeing that, everything shifts. Our job now or our responsibility now, oh, I'm already close. Now I need to discover what that looks like. I need to see how that works out in my life. But I'm already close to God. I don't have to do anything to get close to God. God made me close in the covenant. The blood has drawn me near is what the Bible says in Ephesians 2.13. And in Hebrews chapter 10, it says the blood keeps us near. We're protected because it's a blood covenant. And see, that's what's important to us. That's why all this blood stuff and all this cutting and all this crazy stuff that went on in the New Old Testament was really pointing to something. It was pointing us to, to this covenant we have today. Isn't it beautiful when we start seeing this? And all of a sudden we start seeing how things work together. And so here's one of the beautiful things about covenant. You get everything that the person you're in covenant with has. And he gets everything that you have. He has total access. You have total access. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying to you? That's where the name of Jesus comes in. Suddenly you have his name. Suddenly you're carrying his name. Not that you're trying to drum it up or figure out some formula or to use a name. No, it's been given to you. you just, we just need to learn. We just need to grow up. We just need to grow up and learn these things and allow these things to begin work in our life and they'll naturally flow out of us because we're not trying to do anything. We're living in this covenant. That God made and God did it all. I, and I keep going back to the cross. Why we call the finished work of the cross? Because He did it all. I'll step in, I'll bleed for you, and I'll bleed for God. Isn't that amazing? It was, I just wanted to say this it was God's blood, and it was, it was man's blood at the cross that was spilled. And, and, you know, if you go in the Old Testament, these animals were cut and ripped apart. That was just a picture. An amazing picture. Are y'all excited? Yeah. We just learning to learn how to take advantage of what God's done for us. Yeah. So here i got to slam it in fifth gear. So this is what, I'm, I'm giving you this a summary here. Let me give you this quick summary about the new covenant. What the new covenant will really communicate to you. First, and, and, and y'all know this, or most of you know, it's going to reveal the Father. You find out in Jesus. That was his ultimate goal is so that we would know the Father. See, that's what, that's... We have this relationship with the Father now. We're connected to the Father, to Father God. Okay, that's the first thing. The second thing is identity. Okay, covenant gives you, that's why Jesus said, daughter of Abraham. He was creating, he was speaking identity. That's why, you, why Abram's name was changed from Abram to Abraham. Sarah's name was changed from Sarai to Sarah. Because God was giving them a new identity. You'll find that over and over and over in the Bible. That the father, the first thing is most important. The second thing gets released is identity. That's how we get. And we've talked about that a million ways, but we've never talked about it in terms of covenant. You see what I'm saying? When we talk about this move of God revealing the fatherhood of God, it was really it was God releasing His covenant anointing into the body of Christ, so people could begin to know the Father. And as we begin to know the Father, we begin to know ourselves. And we begin to get our and and understand our own identity as human beings. That who God created us to be, because He communicates that to our heart. Are y'all following that? It's it's very powerful. But then this is the third thing. Okay, there's a third thing that you're going to find in in every covenant, and especially covenants of God, is obedience. Oh Lord. Things just went and hit the floor, right? (laughs) Obedience. Why do we have to bring that up? Yeah, I know. Like, I don't want to talk about obedience. It seems religious, right? Are you being? You know, it does seem kind of heavy when we talk about obeying God. It oh Lord, I got to obey God. It's the worst thing in the world. But really, think about obedience like this: obedience is not really that big of a deal when it's coming out of your real identity. It's being who you are. And, and see, that's why. Listen, I know this, and a lot of people in this room know this. I spent a lot of my Christian life focused on obedience as as the top priority in my life. That was everything to me. If I obey, everything's going to be cool. But it's not. Because obedience is not the top priority in your life. And when you make something that's like number three priority, obedience... The number one priority, what was a blessing at number three becomes a curse in your life at number one because you can never obey God apart from that, apart from His order. His order of one, fatherhood. Number two, identity. And out of identity flows obedience. Obedience is important. Obedience is critical. But it's, it's meant to flow out of who we are and out of our relationship with the Father. And when, we begin to sh- when I begin to shift away from obedience being all the big deal in my life and begin to shift into this revelation of God as my Father, my life changed. My relationships started changing. I began to change I, as a human being. I began to change. I began to become who God had spoken to me to be. Are you all following this? Anybody? So let me just declare this. Let me just say this. Obedience is vital to a Christian life. It's vital to your health. It's vital to your safety. It's vi- vital to everything, but is not the most important thing. The most important thing is your relationship with the Father. And out of that relationship comes your identity. And out of your identity, of, you know, you're going to walk in obedience. It's going to flow in your life. It's not going to be like some heavy-duty thing that's going to come. You, you know, here it is. Oh, I'm sinning bad today. Well, I'm not being who I really am then. Because who I am is not a bad sinner. I'm a son. I'm a son of Abraham. I'm a son of the father. Are y'all getting that? Yeah. Let, me, let me just say this. The reason Jesus used... Are y'all good still? Yeah. I'm, it's not 12 yet. <laughs> it's one more minute. <laughs> <laughs> let me say this. The reason they used the term son of Abraham or daughter Abraham or child of Abraham is because up until the time of Christ, fatherhood for the believing Jews was all... It was in Abraham. It was, it was that he was the father. He was the only father they knew. They didn't know God as a father. Right, this is important. And when Christ came, he revealed God as a father. And suddenly, everybody began to see that Abraham was just a type of the father. He was just a earthly revelation of God the father. And so we don't have to use the term son or daughter of Abraham. We can say we're sons, of da- sons and daughters of the, of the father. Yeah, that's important right there you know, because what Abraham was doing was giving us something spiritual something, but it was done in the natural so we could see something and that's what the whole thing was about it was all about revealing something that was beautiful and amazing okay and by the way when God made that uh, covenant with Abraham he said this is an eternal covenant it'll never be broken It'll never be broken. And the reason he was saying it is because literally this is a Old Testament version of this New Testament covenant that's going to be made by me when I come to earth. That's pretty amazing. Anyways, I think it's pretty amazing. Okay, let me just finish here. Alrighty, it's 12 o'clock. i got one more Bible verse I want to read that I think is beautiful. Psalm 103, verse 2 through 5. Everybody knows this. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Isn't that amazing? And forget none or not all his benefits. Okay? Who forgives all your iniquities. You know what the difference between sin and iniquity is? Anybody know that? That's kind of important. Well, sin is some bad thing you do. Iniquity is a lifestyle of bad. That's that's what that, when he says iniquity, he's talking about a lifestyle of being bad. A lifestyle of doing ugly and terrible things. That's That's the primary difference. Than just a person who commits a sin. Who heals all your diseases. Listen, he's talking about the benefits of being in covenant relationship with God here. This, this is what the Bible's telling us. This is what uh, David was telling. I think David. No, this is Moses who told us. He had a great revelation of covenant also. Who redeems your life from destruction? Who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. Who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. What he's talking about here, he's, what well, he's trying to get us to see, he's trying to get us to see this covenant and how it looks outward in our life. So he starts out and says, Bless the Lord. Oh, my soul, which that's talking about relationship with God. Honoring God, respecting God, treating God the way God should be treated by every person. Okay? Bless Him. Honor Him. Worship Him. Be nice to God. Don't use God's name in vain. Don't do ugly things in God's name. You know, that's what he's saying. Give God the glory and honor that He deserves. You know, we'd all say, yes, amen. but then he says this, but don't forget, God has benefits. And God wants you to have those benefits. God didn't just do a, a, a vow. He didn't just get ripped apart just so everybody would just give him honor. He did it so we could, we could get these benefits, that we could get healing, that we could get forgiven, that we could be blessed in our crown with light, loving kindness and righteousness. This is what God's covenant's about. Because we can't create that stuff ourselves. And so when we talk about the covenant of God, we're talking about this relationship with Him and how we are with God. But there's all these benefits that come with relationships. You know, I found out a few years ago about this term, friends with benefits. Yeah, I I wrote something. I call it uh, friends with benefits. And somebody said, hey, you know what that means? i like... It means you got a friend who's got something big and money and you get in on it. I found out it didn't mean that (laughs) to a a lot of popular people, you know, the way things go. I thought, well, it's too late now. I mean, I hope people ain't thinking about some immoral thing here, but but there is a friends with benefit things with God. And see, that's what God, I think, wants to release to his people. And I think for me, this is what it does for me. Suddenly, if I begin to get revelation that I'm walking this, in this covenant relationship with God, then no matter what I, where I am and no matter what I've gone through, I have a right to those benefits. You hear what I'm saying? I have a right to healing. I have a right to forgiveness. Not because what I did... But because what he did and what he established, he's the one who came up with that plan. And so, what Jesus was saying that day is like, she's a daughter. She has a right to be healed. She has a right to be healed. And she suffered for 18 years. And it's just time for her to be healed. It's time for her to be straightened up because she's a daughter. Not because what she's done, not because she's faithful to come to the synagogue. None of that matter. She's a daughter. And that right now, oh, then I'm in, I'm in relationship with you, and I want to release my benefits to you. Are y'all following this? This is important. Now, I'm going to tell you something. If this is all in your little brain, well, it does, that's the thing. That's what I was saying. It's when God begins to reveal it to your heart, and you begin to see the whole framework of Christianity working, and it works in this, this relationship of covenant using his name, works in this relationship of covenant. Are y'all, are y'all following this? And God wants to release a revelation that he's a covenant-keeping God. He wants to release a revelation that we have a right no matter what. And, we, and, and I'm not saying everything's going to work out perfectly tomorrow. Obviously, it's not, right? It never has. But I am saying I believe God has more force than we're experiencing And I believe God wants us to know Him as a covenant God. That He's created that and He wants us to step into that covenant. He wants us to lay hold of that covenant. It glorifies God when we say, I deserve to be forgiven. I have a right to forgiveness. It glorifies Him when I say, I have a right for healing. It glorifies Him when I say, I have a right for loving kindness to come into my life. It glorifies God when I say, I have a right for good things to fill my mouth. It honors God because we're honoring the covenant and saying we believe in this covenant. We trust this covenant. We're relying on what you've done and we want to tap into what you've done in our life and and bring honor to you and bring glory to you. Now, I really believe that's the truth from the bottom of my heart. I hope you do. (laughs) Woo, Lord help. I want to tell you one other thing. I got to stop. (laughs) Stop. But I want to just, Lord, just, Lord, you make all things beautiful when it's time. That's what you do. You make all things beautiful when it's time. Lord, you cause all things to work together for good who those are called according to your purposes. That's what you do, Lord. And I feel like we're in a day when God's going to make those two verses real in people's life. What I just said. What you've gone through, what you've walked through. The worst thing you can do for somebody when they're in a mess in their life is say, God causes all things to work for good, bro. Nobody wants to hear that when they're in the middle of, of hell breaking around them. But there'll come a time in your life when that becomes a reality to you. When you can honestly say, I see, Lord, that you're causing this to work for my good. I see, Lord, I've walked through a bad place in my life for years. And it's brought a lot of sorrow and disappointment in my life. But i come to a place, Lord, where I can look back and see. I wouldn't want to go through it again. I wouldn't ask for it. But what you've done in my heart is worth every bit of it. I wouldn't trade what you did in me through this mess for nothing. Are y'all following that? And you have truly made something beautiful. Maybe it's just inward beauty. But I see something beautiful in my life now. You see, God wants to do that for some people in this room this morning. Just like he did with that woman. I guarantee you that woman, there was a place where she came, where she was all bent over and where she got freed. And she began to look at the things that God did in her over those 18 years. And I guarantee you she would never say, oh, i got to go back to be bent over so I can have this relationship. No, she "It was it's beautiful what God did in me. It's beautiful what he did in me. I hated the process, but I love what it's done in me. Are y'all following that? And see, I see that's one of the things that Jesus, the covenant of God will do. It'll cause you to see the beauty of God. It'll bring you out of some places. You will not be stuck wherever you're at. I can tell you that if you're stuck in a bad place, I promise you, God will not leave you there. He will not do it. He's a covenant-keeping God. He will get you through that thing. You may have to go through some trouble. You may have to go through some disappointments. But you're not going to get stuck there because he's promised you and no matter how you feel about it today, no matter how it looks to you today, God is a covenant keeping God and he will take a hold of you somehow and get you through that. And you will and I promise you this was going to happen in your life. You're going to wake up one morning and there's something that's going to rise in your heart. This is how you're going to know you're out of it. You're going there's a gratitude that's going to rise in your heart. Where you're thankful, not because you're supposed to be thankful, Right? We're supposed to be thankful. I mean, dag on that's the Bible, you know. We should always be thankful. But there's something that's gonna come out of your inward self. And you're gonna have this true gratitude in you towards the Lord. And you're gonna to begin to look at your past instead of seeing it as just scourge and this disappointment and this and feeling just thrown to the side, you're gonna see the beauty of the Lord in your life. And you're gonna see the beautiful things that God did in you in spite of the loss and the hurt and the disappointment. You, you're gonna see it, Kurt. You're gonna see it. All the stuff you've gone through, how you feel like you have just, just broken you down with this thing in your ear. You're gonna, you're gonna come to a day where you're gonna see God, and you're gonna have gratitude in your heart for what He's doing in you right now through this terrible thing you're going through. Because God's gonna get you through this, and I want to tell you that's what a covenant-keeping God does. He does what he says he's going to do. Y'all are awful quiet. <laughs> Help, Marlon. <laughs> so, why don't you stand up? I'm telling you those, those scriptures. You, let me tell you my little secret. Little heartbreak secret. Not little heartbreak secret, but years of heartbreak secret for me. You know. And. I just woke up one day, and I started thinking about my heartbreak over the past years of my life. And, and suddenly, this thing in me just rose. It, it was just amazing. In those scriptures, God makes everything beautiful. All of a sudden, I saw, I saw beauty. I saw beauty. I saw that God had taken and done something beautiful in me. Inside of me, something was different. And I began to worship the Lord like, you know, it, was, it just was flowing out of me. I wasn't trying to, and I'm, I could, and I had said to the Lord, I'm not thanking you for any of that. Daggone, I'm not thanking you for people dying. I'm not thanking you for heartache, for financial calamity. I'm not thanking you for broken dreams. I'm not thanking you for disappointment. I'm not thanking you for suffering, but I am thanking you that you were faithful. And you did something in me. It was none of it. it was wasted. None of it. And you created this thankfulness and this gratitude in my heart. And you put things in me, inside of me, that I could have never gotten. Never gotten any other way. Now that's redemption. That's restos- restoration. That's healing. And I imagine that day when that woman was straightening up. A lot of redemption, a lot of restoration, and, of course, we know healing came into her life. Not only physically, but inter- uh, you know, internally. Amen. Let's start believing God. Let's ask God to give us a revelation that He's a covenant-keeping God. Father, we ask You to that today. We ask You that our, our church, River Life, would be a, be a home of the covenant Father revealing Himself. We ask you that our homes represented in this building today would be representative of a covenant keeping father. We ask you for our businesses, our children, that covenant of God would begin to be manifested in our life. And we would begin to understand how to use the name of Jesus. We begin to understand how to access the heavenly benefits of your covenant. We begin to learn how to take hold of those things into our own homes and our own lives and in the lives of our friends and family, but also release them into the world. And begin to show the world, Lord, that you are not some angry God who's out for revenge and is full of hate and full of spite. But the world can begin to see the Father that we're going to begin to know in a deeper way that you're going to reveal your heart in deeper ways to people in this room. Lord. You're going to do it. You're going to redeem people. You're going to redeem people that are suffering in this room right now and who suffered mighty loss. There's a
2: redemption coming for you. I want to declare it this morning. I want to take the time and tell you if you have suffered God is going to get into a life and do something for you. He has to because that's who He is. He can't stand it not to. All He's asking for us is just believe Him just believe him and the beauty of him asking us to believe him is this when God spoke to Abraham the Bible says faith comes by hearing God talk so God imparted the faith for Abraham to even believe him he didn't have to drum up nothing it was a gift the whole thing was a gift all this is a gift and God is just looking for somebody to say I believe the gift I want the gift you can be cynical you can quit believing but I'm not I refuse to I refuse to quit believing that God hears me and loves me and wants to fix my life he's a covenant keeper that's what he is and we begin to know Him like that. Something's going to change. Help, Lord!
3: Yeah, just keep on playing. just keep on playing. That just soaking that presence right now. Go ahead. <clears throat> I believe there are there's words of faith being imparted to some of us today. I could see them floating in the room. Some of us need that word of faith. Something God spoke to you, a promise. Something God has said in the past to you. That's for you. As Byron was saying, it comes through the hearing. If you're hearing the Lord in your spirit, grab on that. Because that's for you today. That's for you today. It's for you right now. Let's pray. Yeah, keep on playing that, yeah. Jacob. Let's just take a few minutes. Because the Holy Spirit just released the word this morning. And allow Him to take that seed that is deposited in you and let Him water it this morning. So let's give Him a few minutes. And just put your hand over your heart. Jenny, come on. So I just got this... Um
0: this picture, I don't know if anybody, of you seen the Titanic? Um, but at the end, Rose is on her, on her raft, you know, and she's out there in that cold, cold water, and there's all these just dead people around her. But she still had a little bit of life in her. And all I could hear was her voice just as that life raft came by. She, in this little weak voice, was just saying, I just feel like some of you are right there. You know, it might seem like you're dead, but you're not. It might seem like there's no hope, but there's hope. And that little small voice, God hears that voice. He hears you crying out. He hears it. And that life raft, that that lifeboat, it's coming. It's coming to rescue you. So just blow that whistle and just say, help. Here I am God Here I am Come and rescue me And he's so faithful And he's so good And I forgot to let you interpret that <laughs> Anyway, but he's He's here He's here to rescue you How
3: are you getting Jenny? So we're going to soak in dead
0: said um, I just felt like there was a lot of people that felt like they were dying spiritually inside and we were when we were saying it's your breath in our lungs I just felt like when God was breathing into Adam <laughs> sorry that he's breathing into our spirits today to awaken us with <laughs> what Jenny was saying is so we just feel so spiritually dead so I just want to say just let God just breathe into you breathe life into you and with that breath we will we will praise him with the breath that he has breathed inside of us
3: amen lord breathe in us lord this morning just breathe in us lord just blow on us holy spirit blow on us holy spirit we just want to give you time holy spirit to do what you want to do in our hearts so just blow holy spirit just blow holy spirit, oh, spirit So
2: Say
1: this. I-, I want you to really understand this. I've quit on God so many times, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. Every time I quit, He didn't. Every time I let go, He hung on. That's why I says I can't. I can't quit. Because even if I quit,
2: He doesn't. Yes. And every and He's come and got me every time because he's a covenant God and he will not leave his children I don't care you can quit all day long but he's going to come in some way work himself into your life and get you because that's who he is so in a sense you'll never be able to quit he'll never let you
3: Dios (laughs) no renuncia a sus hijos I'm going more time. You give life.